0: tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida
1: ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking.
0: Debunking. There'll be a little bit of of that tonight, I think. Quite possibly. Potentially.
1: Potentially.
0: Potential for debunking. Potential for debunking. Well, we we are heading into part two of a two-part episode on the Hammersmith nude murders. So if you have not listened to part one yet, please go back and do so, because this will make absolutely zero sense if you have not heard part one. Noted. Although if you're trying to and you've not listened to part one, uh, I admire your spirit. <laughs> nice. Mm. But again, it still won't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh As a quick recap, the Hammersmith nude murders were a series of serial murders that took place in London uh, around Hammersmith between 1964 and 1965. The killer was nicknamed by the papers as Jack the Stripper, due to the women all being stripped of their clothing and obvious play on the name Jack the Ripper. Womp womp. Womp womp. Yeah. We we try to refrain from using that name as much as possible. You may have picked up on that. Uh, Killers strangled their victims mostly with what appeared to be their own clothing, and then removed some of their teeth after death. Now, despite the horrific nature of these crimes and a lot of sensational reporting in the press, the women themselves were looked at as being somewhat disposable since they were all sex workers. A familiar a pa- tale. A familiar tale, unfortunately. Now, the primary clue was uh, paint and dust particles found on some of the later bodies, which would be traced to an abandoned factory, which was within feet of the final known victim. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, after that, the killing stopped, and the case remains unsolved to this day. Cool. We feel caught up. Did I leave anything out?
1: That was a very good synopsis. Thank you, Kim.
0: Yes. (laughs) Previously on Ghoulish Tendencies. Oh, I should have said that. Missed missed opportunity. opportunity. (laughs) Thanks. Buy me a coke. All right, done. (laughs) Uh, All right, cool. So we're good. We can we can move on. Before we dive into our suspects, I do want to give uh, a little bit of a blanket warning. More than one of these individuals We will be talking about um, Death by suicide And so that will be A topic that, that comes up during the course of our discussion And if that's something that uh, You feel like You know what, I don't need to listen to this Then again, maybe maybe skip this episode Go back, find one about The Mongolian death worm Or, or some like talking pants And uh, <laughs> uh, aliens And I don't know E.T. phones home and I love how they're all mine <laughs> i was trying to think of one of my sillier ones but i would just think of like pants and worms uh i have silly wow that says something i have a one-track mind pants and worms there you go wow Um, you heard it first here guys well i don't want to say like go back and listen to a lighter episode like that time i talked about the serial killer pedro lopez and cried like That's (laughs) that's fair that's fair I do tend to lean a little bit more towards the The murderies. The murderies and some of the more depressing ones, not always intentionally. Just it just kinda happens. That's all right, but that's why we balance each other out. Some of my movie curse ones are kinda fun. Oh yeah. Those ones are good. Those are good time. Anyway, we should we should dive in. (laughs) Let's dive in. Now, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, just because the case remains unsolved does not mean there are not suspects.
1: That's the best part. I can't wait to talk about the suspects. You mentioned it was pretty good last time around.
0: There are some interesting ones. Um, I I do still kind of remain, I have to say, like after doing the dive, and there's a few I'm not going to talk about because I was reading about it and I was like, this is dumb. I don't really, it's, it's like dumb to the point where it's not even worth mentioning. Do you ever, does that happen to you when you're researching sometimes?
1: No, because I would choose to talk about aliens any day of the week and you would think that that's dumb sometimes. (gasps) Well,
0: no, but I mean, not like fun dumb. Like sometimes when I'm researching, you know, like you come across a detail where you're like, yeah, I could talk about this, but I don't feel like it actually adds anything and it's just kind of dumb. And so I don't, I don't feel compelled to share this detail.
1: I feel like that's clarifying the the difference of fun dumb, and
0: dumb dumb. Yeah, no, I mean again, I, some of this is going to be fun dumb, but but there's sometimes you read something and you're just like, yeah, I, we don't really need to spend a whole lot of time going into detail about this because it really doesn't have any relevance.
1: No, for sure. I feel like sometimes I put everything down on paper and I'm like, why? I don't yeah. need.
0: Mean- all of this. Why do nobody, I have
1: twenty pages of notes.
0: Yeah, notes? nobody, nobody needs to know some of this. This is no. like even even us for our our extremely detailed uh, accounts. Even for us, some of it can be overkill. Pun intended. Ooh. Some of the suspects we're going to be talking about do have uh, kind of interesting backgrounds, and we're going to look and see if any of them might be the notorious killer themselves. Don. 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 I'm curious to hear. I'll be curious to hear where you think these suspects go, or if you think they're they're guilty or not. Because uh, I have my own opinion, and yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll be sharing that. Um, now, police followed a lot of tips and leads, uh, false confessions. Most of what they investigated, uh, it was a lot of dead ends. Wouldn't be alive ends. Generally. <laughs>
1: be dead ends for a murder. Sorry, had
0: to. (laughs) All right, continue, commence. Okay. Yes. Yep. Nope, I'm commencing. Uh, Police did have some specific people they were looking at. Now, our first suspect, and and this is one police favored at the time, uh, was a man named, uh, are you ready for this? Because this is pretty epic. Mungo, Ireland. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Mungo? Ireland. Is this a birth name? Yeah. Wow. It's an it's a Scottish name. It's wow. like a proper Scottish name. Kim's favorite names. It's, it's a good name. Uh, he was named after his grandfather, actually, who was born in Dundee, Scotland. Okay. He was born April 17th of 1919, which means he was about 45 when the murders started. He had eight siblings. He worked very briefly as a police officer, but quit after he did not... Uh, make Detective um, He was living In the district of Putney In London In 1964 when the murders Seemed to have started uh, He had a wife and five children Woo, Yeah, they're busy It's busy, you know it's, it's, uh, it's not a lot to do in the 60s But I guess make children <laughs> And listen to music I don't know Or Hmm. both, simultaneously. Or both simultaneously. Uh, He'd been a security guard at the Heron Industrial Estates. Do you remember the significance of the Heron Industrial Estates?
1: I do not. Would you refresh my memory, please?
0: To refresh your memory, anyone at home who does not recall, the Heron Industrial Estates uh, was uh, an estate of, like, 35 factories. And one of those factories... Yeah, that rang the bell, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird name, so I, I'm not expecting people to, to super recall that. Sure. Um, yeah. One of the factories was the abandoned one, which they realized the killer had been using. Right. Okay. Now it's all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. So he was familiar with the territory, and that was kind of what put him on their radar a little bit. Uh, but he only worked there for about three weeks. Oh, that's not very long. It's not very long. And again, when you think about it, like 35 factories- How many security guards you got working in that area? Clearly not enough if someone's murdering out of one of them. Well, he wasn't murdering them there. He was storing the bodies there. Sorry, clarification. Clearly not enough if someone can store bodies there. But, like, a lot of people are coming through there, right? I Um, I would
1: assume so, yeah.
0: And this is also the same place where the final known victim, Bridget O'Hara, was discovered. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a place of interest, as it were. Sure. But he worked there from about November 13th of 1964 to November 28th of 1964. Then he got a job as a foreman cleaner at Jute Industries in Scotland. Okay. So he's working in Scotland, which is not London. That's far. It's, it's further away. I mean, like, you know, train right away or whatever, but that's still, that's not an everyday commute. Uh, he's staying with relatives. His wife and children are still in London. He finished the contract. He actually arrived back in London the day before uh, Britty's body was dumped. Okay. One month after her body was found, March of 1965, Mungo, Ireland would die by suicide. Oh, shoot. Now, this was just after Detective DeRose, who was our friend who had that reputation of closing cases very, very quickly. Four or five day, dude? Yeah, four or five day, depending on who you ask. (laughs) He said in a press conference that uh, they had narrowed their list of suspects down and were close to catching the killer. Okay. That's interesting.
1: That is interesting.
0: Now, the night Mungo died, he was watching TV with his wife and he fell asleep. Rather than wake him up, she left him asleep on the couch and went upstairs to bed. She woke up at about midnight because she heard a vehicle driving off but didn't think a whole lot of it, went back to sleep. The next day, she found a note. And the note said, I can't stick it any longer. It may be my fault, but not all of it. I'm sorry, Harry, Harry was his brother, is a burden to you. Give my love to the kid. Farewell, jock. P.S. To save you and the police looking for me, I'll be in the garage. Oh. Yeah. Now, the garage was actually a couple blocks away, um, and it was his car leaving that did wake his wife up. Upon finding the note, she sent their kid, and the accounts differ if it was a daughter or son that went to check But one of his children went to the garage and found Mungo dead in the front seat of his car. His head was resting on the steering wheel. Official cause of death was suicide from carbon monoxide poisoning. Why would the mother send the kid? (sighs) To be, not that this is, like, an excuse, but uh, the kid was one of the ones, it was in their 20s, so... Okay, I was thinking a much younger. Oh kid. no no no! Not like an actual like <clears throat> like ten year old child, but like one of one of their older children. Okay. So I, I don't know if it was she thought they could go faster, or she was afraid of finding him herself, or sure. I, I um,
1: just pictured like a young kid was sent to find oh, their father. Oh no no no! That would I was be like, why that's, would someone that's do
0: that? Absolutely horrific! No no. Um, he was supposed to appear that morning at Acton Magistrate's Court for a summons he received uh, for failing to stop his car. Coroner Doctor Gavin Thurston. Ooh, I know. I like the name Thurston. It's very thirsty. It's thirsty Thurston. Say that, that ten be, times fast. <laughs> that's a horrible nickname. To have. <laughs> it is significant that his death occurred on the morning he was due to answer a summons. Okay, so what I find interesting about that is. Um, Some of the articles take this detail. He was supposed to be in court. As an implication, he was being summoned for something involving the case. No, he wasn't even on the radar at this point. Uh, This was basically a traffic ticket. And why would you kill yourself because of a traffic ticket? Well, it it wasn't because of a traffic ticket. Right. I'm just saying, like... Right. But it's, it's some of the articles I was initially reading were like... And he had to appear in court that morning.
1: And you're like, okay,
0: sure. If I'm thinking that he's been accused of murder and he's supposed to, you know, appear in court, maybe he, he did this to avoid that. But no, it was, it was essentially, he got a traffic ticket. Um, Something had obviously been up with him. His wife admitted they'd been having marital problems. Uh, There had been an incident where he'd also gotten super drunk and fell and hit his head, The coroner would also say there had been a change of his habits and general behavior recently. He had been drinking rather heavily shortly before his death. Didn't sound like a very happy dude. It's it's he was he was struggling. He was struggling. And the police didn't really look much into what he was doing prior to his brief stint as a factory security guard. So, like, if you're really looking closely at someone as a suspect, that seems like something you would do. Uh, Apparently he wasn't even on their radar until about two months after he died. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was never questioned. His home was never looked at. Neither were his vehicles. Even after his home was never looked at, his vehicles were never looked at. Yeah. Why? We're going to kind of get into that. Okay. So hold on to that thought. Okie dokie. After they died, Did start to look at them, one of the detectives basically wrote a report being like, yeah, there's some weird circumstantial stuff, but also this seems to just say he wasn't our guy. You know who would sign off on that? Who? Our good friend, Detective DeRose, Mr. Johnny four or five days... I should really land on one, but I just maybe <laughs> just say four and a half, call
1: it 4.5.
0: You're it's, it's <laughs> Johnny Porf- 4.5.
1: Johnny in 4 4 4. a good 5. week,
0: five on a not so good week. You know, it depends on how much he'd had to drink that week and how hungover he is on that third day. It really makes a difference. Uh, so, Detective DeRose signs off on this, like, all right, this is not our guy. Same detective who would say later on that, oh, no, this was 100% the guy that did it. Yeah.
1: That's some shady shit right
0: there. Some very shady shit. In fact, one of the reasons the police would supposedly give for, for shelving the case is that they were so certain they knew the guy and that the guy was dead. There wasn't really any reason to continue investigating. Oh, I hate that. I know, me too. Uh, DeRose would state multiple times in interviews and even in, 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 like, a book he wrote that he was certain he knew the man. He never named Mungo Ireland by name because, like, slander is real. But he'd say, quote, without a shadow of a doubt, the weight of our investigation and the inquiries that we made about him led to the killer committing suicide. That is 100% grade A bullshit. Ooh, grade A. Wow. Mm-hmm. Grade, like, more than four or five closing bullshit. Like, <laughs> um, because, okay, beyond the fact that he was not on their radar until months after he was dead. So, yeah, my buddy, my bro, my friend, no thank you. Um, Bridget O'Hara, our last victim that we know of. Mm-hmm. When she disappeared, records showed that Mungo was in Scotland working. Alibi. Alibi. And like, okay, is it possible he didn't kill her? Honestly, not really. Because it was very obvious the same killer who killed all these women. Unless it was more than one person working together, but nothing in any of the evidence suggests that. Evidence. Evidence. And that's just it. There was not actual any physical or solid evidence. 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 Connecting him to the times and places the other women disappeared. So that's a big old no-go right there. That's a big old no-go. And that to me just reeks of somebody kind of trying to cover their ass. There's even those that think that Mungo Ireland wasn't just innocent; that he was framed. Oh, yeah. Author David Seabrook would actually write uh, as such in his in his book Jack of Jumps. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, every time really? I have to say it, Jack of Jumps. Um, one piece of evidence. 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 You know, I say evidence a lot in this episode, and it so if be fun. you're, if this is a drinking game for you. <laughs> I'm just warning you now, get the hospital on standby because you might die. Or just mix Um, it with something. Or mix it with something. Take just, maybe sometimes shoot some water. Hydrate. Hydrate. Seabrook would write, police found no evidence. 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 Of any description to link this man to the murdered women. And the fact he was in Scotland on 11th January, the date of O'Hara's disappearance, served to eliminate him from the inquiry. He will quote never be named because he was framed, his suicide exploited for fame and glory by John DeRose.
1: Hmm. Boom. That's a mic drop if we've ever heard one. Boom, boom. Not this mic drop, but just a figurative
0: mic drop. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to actually drop your podcast mic. That's bad. Drop a no. Uh, I find that very, very interesting. What do you think?
1: I would agree. I feel like they're just calling them out on, on their shit, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like that needs to happen
0: more. So good on them. <laughs> Some of my favorite things to do. Uh, now, the next person we're going to look at was someone that DeRose had looked at very strongly as a suspect. Someone a little closer to home. Someone who, because apparently they might actually still be alive. Really? What? Their name has never formally been given to the public. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> The last thing I read about this was from uh, a couple years ago. And so at least as of a few years ago, the, the person in question could still be alive. And, and yeah, which is just kind of bonkers to me. Um, but it's it's a man who once worked as a detective constable. Oh. Now, without an identity... It does make it challenging to uh, not only get firm facts, but, like, to be able to verify certain stories. For sure. Robin Gerosi's book, The Hunt for the 60s Ripper, has a chapter devoted to this particular suspect with some details. Uh, he did at one point work as an officer in Hammersmith. Okay. He lived in police quarters that were near to where the killer had stored his <clears throat> victims, so he would have known the area. During his time as a policeman, there were complaints made against him. One such incident involved court papers being burned in a toilet bowl. That's some real shady shit. That's some real shady shit. Another in a toilet. In a toilet, exactly. That's the shadiest <laughs> of shady shit. Also, kind of stanky. Ooh, stanky shady shit. Another officer who knew him stated, "Quote: He was a creepy type of bloke." Oh. He always seem to be hanging around, bloody listening to other people's conversations. That's one of the most <laughs> British sentences ever, P.S.
1: Yeah, I, I would concur. But also, you know what this is making me think of? Hmm. The East Area Rapist slash
0: the Golden State Killer because he was a cop. Mm-hmm. He also was uh, was breaking into places and robbing him, too, before he started um, with the sexual assaults. Yeah. So I, that just made me think of that, even though yeah. it's, like, well, totally again, it's, different It's not location. uncommon. I mean, look at, like, even Ed Kemper. He yeah. wanted to be, like, a sheriff, but he was too tall. <laughs>
1: I know, that's such a
0: sad story. Is it? <laughs> no, no, I'm glad he wasn't a cop, because that would have been worse. Uh, but you you have, you know, a lot of these killers gravitate towards places where they can be in a position of power over people. For sure. Um So our our mysterious policeman, he he failed his detective sergeant's exam and later would be suspended for office break-ins? Wait, what? Seriously, why? Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. so um, he had an explanation for it. He was fired. He was sentenced to a year in prison. And this is what he had to say about it. I would like to point out again that when I broke into the premises I have mentioned, I did not set out to steal, but rather have the satisfaction of doing something which I knew my colleagues would have to work on but get nowhere. <laughs> he's so just, being just being like a, trying to, like, be an, an anxious, asshole? Yeah, he's just being, like, a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that he even, like, his, his explanation wasn't like, oh, you have the wrong guy, or oh, I made a mistake. It was like... Listen, all I was trying to do was to mess with my coworkers. Okay, I wanted to make their lives really hard. <laughs> At least he's honest about it. No, I, I do appreciate that, but it's it's also to me it's kind of a, a like like sure, yeah, this guy sounds like an asshole, but it's a stretch to go from yeah being a dick to your coworkers to serial murder. <laughs> that doesn't always
1: coincide.
0: It's you know. I, uh, but he was on the radar of the police. And, and one thing they noticed is that each victim was found in a different police subdivision.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yes, and. Um, because the, they took this as like, well, only a cop would know the different subdivisions. But like some of the bodies were dumped in the water. So you don't actually know how far they're going to travel. So was
1: it intended to be in different subdivisions or not?
0: Or was it just a coincidence?
1: Okay, question. Yes. So I know in the U.S. it's different than in the U.K. So, like, this Mm -hmm. is a general question I I honestly don't know the answer to. And you might, you probably would know. But um, if they're different subdivisions, would they have different detectives associated with each different subdivision? And would they have, would they not talk or would they talk? Do you know?
0: Uh, my understanding, and again, um, don't hold me a hundred percent to this because I'm basing this a little bit on, on U.S. U.S. stuff too. Sure. Um, I, I guess the best way I could kind of liken it is if there was a series of murders happening in Seattle, cause, cause Ted Bundy did this, right? No, that's why I was asking. But, like, Seattle's a big city, but it's also not a big city. If five murders happened over the course of a couple months, even if they're not initially talking to each other, the media's talking about it, it's going to become... They're going to know something's up. Do you know what I mean? So, like, uh, if with the first girl... No, they wouldn't have talked about it because they just figured. Well, again, it's a, it's another sex worker who met a sad end. By the time a pattern starts, you are talking to each other.
1: That's fair. and you do okay. have
0: people who are overseeing. Um, uh, like it's it's not like killing someone in London and then killing someone in like Inverness, in Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Or or killing someone in Seattle and then killing someone in Portland. Right, So it's there, like, there's no common uh, anything because you're looking <clears> at completely different states, completely different everything. But if you're still within the same main city, it's essentially like the different police uh, – what's the word I want? Um, not stations, but, you know, precincts. And that's, that's why I was asking, though, because
1: if they're using that as a, 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 a thing that they're referencing – I wonder if that would be
0: why if they don't talk. It seemed less like a because they don't talk, and more like a neener neener neener. Because because <laughs> that all a technical in, term. That <laughs> is a technical term. That's neener 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 is the technical police term, actually. At that, uh, well, because again, even if if one precinct isn't talking to another, you still have people overseeing all of the precincts where at some point you may not notice the pattern immediately, but you are going to start to notice the pattern. Cause again, even with Bundy, it didn't take them long before they were like, yeah, it's the same dude. Somebody put two and two <laughs> it's the, together. It's the same. It's the same person doing these things. It doesn't take them yeah. that long. That's it's, fair. it's a lot harder when you're crossing state lines, not so much when it's just like neighborhood lines. Fair. Okay. Sorry for the derail. Just curious. it's It's a good, good clarification. So this guy gets out of jail, and this was about eight months before the first known victim, Hannah Tailford, was found. Okay. Our mystery police officer was working as a traveling salesman and then a car salesman. Police were looking into his movements during the time the murders were happening. There wasn't really anything concrete. He was questioned. He denied any knowledge. His wife vouched for him on some of the days when the murders would have been happening. And, I mean, ultimately, that's kind of why it it petered off. There was just a lack of compelling evidence. 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 uh, to, To link him. So he's not one that's looked at, at least by me, as a super serious suspect. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think it's like potential. I could see why someone would consider him for sure. But not enough. We need more.
0: We need more. The next suspect we're going to look at is interesting because his name was not linked to the murders until 2001. Wow. Wow. And it's also possible he was murdered himself, but probably not, but maybe. Wait, what? Okay. Um, you're, not, you're not really a sports person, right? I'm not. I'm like
1: the least sports person known <laughs> okay, to fair, man. Fair.
0: I I, wasn't, I, I I couldn't think of any sports I've ever heard you talk about following. Usually when I talk about them, you kind of give me a funny look. And I mean, I'm fairly specific in the sports that I follow. One sport I have absolutely zero interest in is boxing. Yeah, Same. Yeah, no, it's I, I got nothing. Um I know that that was Rocky, right? <coughs> Adrian Sure, he saw lots of stairs. That's all I know. There was and there was a song. Was that Eye of the Tiger? Sure. Sure. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's also for, not even like sports stuff, that's more like movie stuff right there. <laughs> my my the extent of me know I've never even seen Rocky because I just that's how little I care about boxing. I just don't that's, care. I mean I don't even same. care enough to watch a movie about boxing. Uh, I didn't see the Will Smith, Muhammad Ali one, although I at least know who he is. Um, I didn't see, I don't know, is there any other movies about boxing? Probably, but I don't care. So there you go. Fair. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Mills was a renowned boxer. He was crowned the light heavyweight champion in 1948, which to me seems like a weird, contradictory statement, but whatever. Again, I don't follow boxing. So I'm guessing that's real. He retired. He became an actor, a club owner, and a promoter. Okay. In July of 1965, after telling the staff of the nightclub he owned he was going to go take a nap in his car, he was found shot in the head, specifically Ooh. the right eye Ooh. in the back of his car. Ooh. There was a small caliber rifle, which was the obvious culprit in the shooting. Police ruled the death a suicide, but his family and those that knew him said they were absolutely 100% certain that he was murdered. Shady shit right there. Shady shit. So, outside of the timing linking up uh, with an end to the murders, because you know, 1965, but how else are we linking the two? Is when this one was like, hey, how'd this happen? So, a guy named Jimmy Tippett, who was a former gangster. <laughs> and whose father Jimmy tippett the I, was also a boxer Wow uh he was researching to write this book, and so he was interviewing all these people, all these boxers, all these mobsters, gangsters all of those people uh, <laughs> <Special> <laughs> official 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 criminal criminal type terms uh he came across some rather shocking information, ah want to guess what that information was. Do tell me. Leading up to Mills' death, he was asking around, looking for someone who could provide him with a pistol. Tippett said, quote, they were left with the impression that there was someone he wanted to sort out or execute. They offered to sort things out on his behalf, like you do. But Mills was insistent that he needed the weapon himself. Dang. Yeah. So ultimately he gets this rifle, that will be used in his death shortly after. And according to Tippett, quote, in those days, the members of the boxing fraternity were like a Masonic circle. A lot of people who were close to him, including my father, are still unwilling to talk about exactly what was said during those times. And those who are won't say anything on the record. But I've been told that Freddie feared the police were closing in on him for the murders and decided to take his own life rather than face trial. He'd apparently been suffering from dizzy spells and bouts of depression for some time. Possibly because, you know, in boxing, you get hit in you that head.
1: Yeah, I know yeah. that.
0: Yeah. I know that much. So, yeah, so he's interviewing these people who are like, yeah, he was connected to these murders. Beyond some, like, jackasses being like, yeah... He murdered some people, which, P.S., how do you know that? I'm not going to lie. I couldn't find anything connecting him to them.
1: It is a fun story, though. This one it, I feel like is the most a, fun.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a great story because you're just like, it's so random. Oh, yeah. Um, Police are, and again, police are very quick to dispel Mills as a suspect. They said that... Uh, One of the theories is that he was mixed up with someone else who died by suicide who would maybe been a suspect, and that could be Mungo. (laughs) But um, Mills owed money to the mob, and he didn't know what to do. Um, Now, whether or not he then died by suicide because he didn't know what to do or whether or not the mobsters murdered him because he owed all this money. Although if you murder somebody who owes you money, then you're really not going to get your money. So that seems counterproductive. Not to tell the mob what they should do, like you do you, run your business how you want to run it. I just feel like that's not the best way or a sustainable business model. You know? No. It's not a sustainable business model, right? Okay, good. Yeah, you get it. Um, I agree with you. It's also like, again, as we were just saying... He probably had a fair amount of head trauma from his years as a boxer. This can lead to depression. This can lead to suicide. It's not uncommon as well for loved ones when their loved one has died by suicide to not believe it's something they would do, especially if you're religious. For sure. Um, there were a couple weird details. Ooh, I love a weird detail. Please tell me. So, like, Okay, so the rifle. Initially, I read it was between his legs, but then there was other reports that it was resting against the front seat where he couldn't reach it. I think some of this discrepancy probably comes from the fact that his body was removed from the car to be taken away in an ambulance. I think they were trying to see if they could save his life. Oh, okay. But as a result, you're disturbing the scene. So the exact position of the rifle, uh, you know... It's either people first on the scene trying to remember, and then by the time you've moved the body, who's to say you haven't also disturbed where the rifle is? Um, he was shot with his eye open, oh, which is also not typical when you're the one doing the shooting. That's well because you have the reflex, right? You have the reflex to close your eye, yeah. And the, but if somebody's pointing a gun at you, so even then, I think I'd close my eyes. But whatever. Uh, but again, I, I uh, that that sure okay so maybe he was murdered maybe he died by suicide um beyond this mystery of his death and there's other theories and suspects but like that's not the purpose of this episode that could be right. its own episode there's all kinds of rabbit holes you could go that with this there is literally zero things outside of some of these boxers and and mobsters saying he was like the hammersmith nude murder killer
1: there's person. nothing else that's it
0: that's it How? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's super weird. It's super bizarre. Uh, And just such a stretch. But what I'm finding more and more, with all these suspects, what I'm finding is that that was kind of the problem full stop with this case. There wasn't a lot of evidence. Evidence.
1: Evidence. Um, Well, I mean... To go back to, you know, why did no one look into what's-his-face's his house after he... Or his things after Mungo. he killed himself. Mungo. Mm-hmm. thank you. How do I forget his name? Mungo Weilerland. Um Like, that's... I, I just think it, it goes back to, like, nobody cared about these people that died.
0: Well, y- yes, but... Or didn't care enough to, like... Well, but again, you can't just search someone's home. That's fair. You have to have... You have reason. to have a warrant, not right. just reason. You have to have a warrant. And to get a warrant, you have to have a reason. And you have to have, say it with me, Gabby, evidence. evidence. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think that's the problem. They're looking at these people, and they're, they're giving them the stink eye, but they have nothing to go on. And you can't go into someone's home and search someone's home without their permission if you don't have some compelling thing or at least minorly compelling, to be able to to get a warrant to search. So that, I think, was their biggest struggle, is that they are kind of trying to create a case with nothing. Because what do you have? You have the paint dust particles, which, okay, sure, they figured that part out. They linked it to where he was storing the bodies. They didn't find anything else there. No physical evidence, and too many evidence. people were evidence too many people <laughs> were through the space to even be able to use anything if they did find hair if they did find particles it, it was a it was a space people regularly cut through, so you can't use that it was not a contained environment that you can you can take anything you find there even fingerprints in terms of witnesses, yeah, you have the girls talking to some guys, some of them were witness talking to guys and going off with guys. They were sex workers sometimes. Uh, that was just a client and possibly some of those sightings could have been the killer, but we don't know because there was nothing consistent. We have that, that one van, that one van that was seen uh, with the, the body dump. And that's about it. The creepy van,
1: the creepy serial killer van. Truly. I would not be surprised if the creepy cop drove the creepy van.
0: (laughs) He absolutely could, But it's, it's, you know, and, and you have some physical evidence, you have some of the semen, but this is the 1960s. They don't have DNA technology yet. um, And without another sample to compare some of the stuff against, there's nothing you can do with this. That is so frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And again, you could argue that if the police had treated this case a little bit more seriously from the beginning, Mm -hmm. maybe they would have found more. But also, um, maybe not. It's kind of hard to say, I guess. It's really hard to say, and 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 not that I'm like ever game to to give police who are overlooking sex workers' deaths any credit whatsoever, but it's also not fair to look at when they were investigating. I mean, they were spreading themselves very thin trying to, to figure this out. Did they do enough? I, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't the one leading the case. I don't know what other information they may have that they've never released to the public. So it's it's hard to judge. It's very hard to judge.
1: But it is a great lineup of candidates who could have potentially. It is.
0: Uh, and when I'm. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just
1: going to make a bad joke. I kind of okay. would love to see them all as like cartoon characters, especially all of the boxers and like that whole
0: story. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I have one final suspect I'm going to talk about. Oh, there's more. Okay. There's, Yay. but wait, there's more. This one has gained a lot of attention in more recent years. There was a documentary made about the whole thing uh, pretty recently, within the last couple of years. Oh, nice. A man by the name of Harold Jones. Harold Jones stands out from any of the other suspects because Harold Jones had already been convicted of two murders. Oh, Already a golden candidate. Already a golden candidate. To properly look at Harold Jones, though, we have to go back to February 5th of 1921 to the town of Abertillery in Wales. What a name. Where Harold Jones, 15 years old, was working at a seed store. Eight-year-old Frida Burnell had been sent to the shop by her father to pick up a few items, and she never came home. Uh, her family found no trace of her. They contacted the police. Harold was questioned. He'd confirm Frida had come into the shop, asked for a bag of poultry spice, which he sold her, and a bag of poultry grit. He said he only had the loose poultry grit, and uh, she left to ask her dad if that would be okay, and that she never came back. According to an article that would run in the Western Mail, the girl's legs and arms tied with cord and a wrap she had been wearing placed across her mouth and tied tightly. The back of her dress was torn, and her soft red hat had been tucked in somehow under the wrap, which had been used to gag her. Particles of chaff on her dress and on the ground suggested that her body had been placed in a sack, which had contained chaff, and conveyed to the spot where it was found. There, however, was no sign of a sack. She'd been strangled. The cord was still around her neck. Uh, She had injuries on her genitals that suggested a sexual assault had been attempted, as well as trauma afflicted to her head. Her handkerchief was found in the shed used by the shop. Police determined that that was where she had been murdered. Jones, again, was immediately looked at as a suspect, but his employer said that he'd never left the store. Despite this, he was arrested and charged. His trial began on June 20th of 1921. Prosecutors, though, again, they didn't really have much of a case other than to be like, "Mm, the owners are lying about his alibi. That is not enough to convict someone. I mean, honestly, no. thank God that's not enough to convict somebody only because yeah. you don't want to be able to be convicted being like, they have an alibi, but they're lying. That's Even, a willy-nilly. That's a willy-nilly. Uh, but he was found not guilty, and everyone celebrated. He got home, and he had a brass band greeting him. There was cheers. He was wow. given a gold watch. They were like, yeah, good for you. You're not a murderer, except you really are. Um, <laughs> so, like... I don't know. No one's ever given me a gold watch for, like, not killing somebody. Also, like, a brass band mm-hmm. and a gold it was, watch? It was 1921. Like, but people that's were, a lot. People were bored. Would you call that overkill? Huh? Bored. Huh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so a friend of Frida's, 11-year-old Florence Little, Flora or Flory to her friends, didn't believe Harold was innocent. Uh, She said this publicly in front of some of her friends. Apparently she said, I know you killed Frida, (laughs) Uh, which like, okay, I'm not saying you should just arbitrarily accuse people of murder, but man, she was right. And she was awesome. So do it. If you do it girl, (laughs) Um, her headmistress of her school would later describe her as a lovely child above the ordinary in intelligence. She was a hard worker and was greatly liked by the teachers and all the scholars. So yay, Flora. Get it, Flora. Yay, Flora. Get it. On the evening of July 8th of 1921, 17 days after Harold was acquitted for murder, Flora disappeared. A search started immediately. It was determined that Flora had been seen with Flossie, who was Harold Jones's younger sister. They'd gone across the way to buy a pop. They returned to the Joneses' home. The door was fastened from the inside. That's a detail that came up a lot shortly after Flossie went out through the back door to a neighbor's house, but Flora was not with her. Flora's mother would later knock on Harold Jones's door, asking him uh, when he answered if Flora had been there. And he said, oh, yes, she's been gone out at the back door. But there was no sign of her. And Harold actually joined the search with his father Flora's mother was kind of suspicious, so his home would be searched, and they'd find a smudge on the wall beneath the hatch to the attic that led the police up, and they would find the body of Flora Little. Uh, She had been struck in the head with a piece of wood, and then her throat was slashed. Oh, my God. Harold Jones was again arrested.
1: No brass band for him this time.
0: No, there was not. The police superintendent would come and address the crowd, and he said, I have found the body of the child at Harold Jones' home, foully murdered, and I have arrested Harold Jones. I think that is all I can tell you, and I think you will help us best by dispersing to your homes. And then later he said, I can give you my word that the child's body has been found murdered, and Harold Jones has been charged with the murder. The thing is, is that after the last time, uh, where people kind of fought like... People thought these, like, big London police officers came in and were just trying to, like, pin something on him, that they were trying this again. So there was a little bit of this crying foul. Um, But unlike the last time, he pled guilty. Oh, dang. He confessed to slitting her throat, letting the blood drain from her body into the kitchen sink. His attorney encouraged him to plead guilty to this. Because if he pled not guilty, and this went to trial, do you know what would happen during this trial? I mean, you wouldn't know because there's no reason you should know this. But do you want to take a guess what was going to happen during this trial? Would he be hung? He would turn 16. Oh. Which would mean... He would be tried as an adult? He could be hung. Because Mm -hmm. at the time in London, or in England, or in Wales, I guess... I got there eventually. Uh, the minimum age for capital punishment was 16. Got it. But so if, if he was if guilty. he pled guilty at 15, he wouldn't be tried. Uh, capital punishment be off the table. So he was sentenced mm-hmm. to 20 years. Um, prison psychiatric reports were not promising. Uh, all of the reports said that like. He admits to attacking the girls, he said it wasn't because of any sexual desire, that he doesn't really want to lose the desire to kill, and that he doesn't have any remorse or a need to be treated. Wow. Yay. What a winner. What a winner. He was released in 1941 (laughs) at the age of 35. He went to the armed forces, served five years in Libya. He left the army in 1946, had a glowing recommendation- And in 1948, he got married. But at this point, he was not going by Harold Jones. He was going by Harold Stevens, which was his mother's maiden name.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Uh Trying to reinvent himself and his history. Had a daughter who had no idea of her father's history. Summer of 1950, Howard Jones returned to his home and was seen entering the cemetery where his victims were buried. This doesn't really tell us much, though. No, it's just messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the documentary I watched on this made a really big deal about this fact. Oh, he went back to his home and went to the cemetery, which I mean, okay, sure. He could have been going to be like, I'm going to relish and relive my crime. We don't know. He could have been going to be like, I'm sorry. I was a kid and I did stupid things and now I have a family and I feel differently. We really don't know. Sure, We know absolutely nothing other than fact. Fact, he went to the cemetery and visited... Presumably visit their graves. We wouldn't even know he was visiting their graves, but I don't know who else is he would have been visiting. His parents were still alive at this point. Um, but beyond potentially being messed up, it doesn't really tell us much else. Uh, he moved to London. He moved around a bit. He ultimately settled with his family in Hammersmith, where he stayed for the remainder of his life. Records show he lived not far from one or more of the victims And did spend time as a sheet metal worker. So he would have had access to some of the industrial paint found on some of the victims. Mm -hmm. But this point, again, seems less important because the bodies got the paint on them because of how they were stored. Which was in this empty factory by this other, like, paint factory or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Not because whoever killed them actually had anything to do with the paint shop that we know of. Or the garage or you know does that does that make sense what i'm trying to say there yeah i think okay. it does uh he was diagnosed with bone cancer in the 60s at some point and that would lead to his death in 1971 of bone cancer now some of the points brought up by professor david wilson who is a criminologist and is one of the biggest supporters of the harold jones theory comes from conversations wilson would have with harold uh, jones's daughter one thing she revealed is that he was quite short. He was about five foot four. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Apparently, that's an explanation for why he went after like little short victims. Women? Well, because all the women he went after were, you know, five one, five two, five three. Right. They were they were on the shorter side. And um, I remember you mentioned in the
1: last episode that one of the theories was that the killer was shorter, and that's why he went after.
0: And that's why he went after smaller women because that yeah. would be easier for him to subdue. Right. There's also this idea that, you know, he murdered two children when he was younger and these women would have been more childlike in stature, which would have appealed to him. But it, it, you, I don't know. You look at pictures of the women and we'll put some of the pictures of them up on our Instagram. None of them look young. Most of them weren't. They were, you know, they were in their mid 20s. They were in their 30s. None of them looked you wouldn't look at them and be like, you could pass as a teenager or a child. So I I, sure. I would lean more towards this idea that, okay, yeah, if, if, if it was a small guy, he might be attracted to a smaller victim. Sure. Uh, he did spend time working in Acton, which is where the killer stored the bodies. He'd been going by Harold Stevens. It's on his marriage certificate. But then when they moved to Hammersmith, he changed it back to Harold Jones, saying it was because of work. Uh, but his daughter recalls, that being kind of weird just because she was like, wait, so what's his name? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would imagine that would be a weird thing to realize about your dad, too. Be, that'd be weird. <laughs> his excuse was something along the lines of it was just a lot of Harold Stevens. I was like, yeah, because Jones is such an That's unusual last stupidest name. stupidest thing I've ever heard. I, you know, kids believe a lot of dumb things.
1: <laughs> also, men are stupid sometimes.
0: Yeah. His daughter would also recall that when um, he would fight with her mother, he would go for a walk. He would walk, and he had a little place he used to stay. Uh, It was a place called Roten House, which was kind of a worker's hostel. Okay. And this is also where Bridget O'Hara, our last victim, was seen, where she was last seen. He also apparently wore a specific kind of hat. And I guess Britty was seen talking to a dude who was wearing the same type of hat. Allegedly. So, like, that's the smoking gun right there. Sure. She was seen talking to a guy wearing a hat. It's like the dude with the eyes and the nose and the hair. Exactly. Again, it is an interesting coincidence. Um, I do think it's kind of a shame he was never formally looked at as a suspect because who knows? But proximity is not proof of guilt. Sure. And I think that's important to remember because, you know, London, again, London is a big city, but... Like any major city, I mean, you're telling me that that Harold Jones is the only person in the city of London who had a murder conviction under his
1: belt—unlikely.
0: Yeah, or who had a hat. I'm just gonna say, like, wearing a hat's
1: like a real British thing. but well, like, I mean,
0: it was a specific type of hat. So to be fair, it'd be kind of like wearing a, you know, I don't know, fedora. what's a weird, sure, like a fedora. So yeah, well, you know. Um <laughs> it's a choice. I mean again, I, I find the Harold Jones theory compelling, sure. but what it lacks for me is actual physical evidence. 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 Yeah. Well, and again, it's part of the problem. We've talked about this. Like reexamining this case, it's what's so maddening. There is just a lack of evidence. So it's it's just a lot of guesswork and conjecture. And, you know, a, a case that now happens, like, my God, almost 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not getting any easier to collect evidence. 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 So the Scotland Yard Serious Crime Review Group. They looked at the case again in uh, 2006, 2007, and they released a statement that said the circumstantial evidence against Mungo, Ireland is very strong, and it was the view of the officers conducting the most recent review of this case that he was most likely to be responsible So they like Mungo Ireland for it all. Uh, It needs to be noted, though, by the time they re-looked at this case, they didn't interview any suspects that might still be living, and there was no physical evidence from the first case, including swabs and samples taken from the victims, that they could locate to test. So no way to even prove anything, really. No, because that's the thing. Like, you know, Mungo had children. You could test their DNA. Right. Um, Harold Jones... Had a child who, and she was willing to talk to the documentary crew. She wouldn't be on camera, but she was willing to talk and you can hear her voice. You could test her DNA. Uh, Frank Mills may or may may not have had children. I think he had children, but I don't want to say that with certainty because I don't recall. But like, he had relatives. You could test this DNA now if you could find it. And, like, again, I I realize it's an old case, so, yeah, evidence gets lost. But to your point earlier, it does, to me, sort of indicate that maybe nobody really cared enough to keep tabs on it. Because I do feel like it it might have almost
1: been, and this is conjecture also, but, like, maybe some people involved cared and some didn't. And that's why it's so inconsistent, is that, like, there's still, like, hypothetical people that could have been... The killer, sure, but not enough proof.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like, I just keep going back to Mungo's letter, Sure. yeah. And, like, what did he say about something like it's not it's not all my fault, something along those lines. like there was a weird cryptic, like sentence well,
0: somewhere in there. See, but I took that to possibly be talking about his marriage. the content of his letter. I can't stick it any longer. It may be my fault, but not all of it. I'm sorry, Harry is a burden to you. Give my love to the kid. Farewell, jock. P.S. To save you and the police looking for me, I'll be in the garage. See, again, I read the I can't stick it any longer. It may be my fault, but not all of it as like either his marriage or his depression or both. And see, I went immediately to the murders. Like,
1: but that's the assumptive brain of like we're talking about this, so that's what I thought sure. about. But that doesn't mean that that's and that, what he was referring to. Well and, and it's it so may vague. be my
0: fault, but not all of it. The murders may be his fault, but not all of it. That to doesn't make a lot of sense. Unless there's two people involved. Right. But again, there's no evidence evidence. To suggest that there was a second person involved. Which then it just gets messier when you <laughs> look at it. Well and that and, way. and again, it's not that you don't have dual serial killers, but there's usually signs of that. Right. There's, there's, would you say, evidence? There's evidence. But there's literally nothing suggesting there's two killers here. So I I just read that as a dude whose marriage is messed up. He's depressed. He's drinking too much. His job life isn't great. And and so the, you know, like, it might be my fault, but not all of it. Meaning, like, yeah, I'm, you know, who knows? Um, Maybe he cheated. Maybe he broke promises. But... And again, that's the problem. We could maybe, till the cows come home, but to what end? (laughs) But I feel like that's what people are doing with all the potential... Oh, absolutely. And and I guess what I sort of question is like, you know, we don't have full access to the files because it is still technically an open investigation to see what the police may have. They have not told the rest of us what what information they're withholding. So... Like, if, if there is evidence, 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 they have that the public's not privy to, that they're keeping that does help to point in someone's directions, Mungo included, um, I would love to hear it because, for me, not a single one of these suspects is actually that compelling to me. And I could just as soon seen any of them do it as someone we've never even talked about or even know about, that's how flimsy all of this feels for me. What? But what do you? What do you think? It's funny that you say that because as you were going
1: through all of them, I was like almost trying to like literally do what I mentioned with the letter of like grasping at straws yeah. of like trying to read more into something that shouldn't be read more deeply into. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could do that forever. You could do maybes forever, right? Um, but it's because I, I agree with you that it doesn't have enough strength in any of the cases. They're all pretty just lacking, you mm-hmm. know? Like mm-hmm. there's something, there's like a hint of a maybe within everything, but not enough to say yes, 100% that one.
0: Exactly. And, and one where I'm like, again, I would love for the police to take a look at Harold Jones, uh, and and do their due diligence. Um, I would love to hear more about why this independent review was so sure it was Mungo, because uh, him working as a security guard for three weeks in that estate, to me... If that's it, I'm like looking at my job history, being like at any point in time, did I week, work for a couple weeks at a place that somebody died? Because does that mean I'm next on their suspect list? Like, it's just ah. there's so many areas that could have been dug into that weren't. It sounds like. Mm hmm. And I also feel like, you know, that there's a lot of pressure, especially as, as bodies are mounting and, and pressure, I'm sure, on on our, you know, Johnny Forday. Uh, to present a a suspect, and to present a solution, and to say, well, we know who did it, but they killed themselves, so now we don't have to worry about it, to give some kind of idea of closure, because people want that. People want to hear that this person is going to kill again, so you would rather hear a detective stumble through this idea of, you know, well... We do know who did it, and you don't have to worry because they killed themselves, but because they killed themselves, I can't release the name, and because we didn't formally charge them, I can't tell you the name, but rest assured, they will not be a problem anymore. It it just feels like the kind of thing you say because you're trying to reassure the public, and I feel like we also, I don't want to become this, like, shitting on the detectives who, who do this work, but we have seen a rush to, you know, name a conclusion. suspect and a rush to a conclusion, which has led to people being wrongfully accused, which has led yeah. to people or even uh, to me just as bad is you rush through something where you know who did it or you have the proper evidence, but because you rush through it, you mess it up and then they get off. Uh, and and I, I can't imagine it's helped by a media who's putting pressure on you to, to deliver results um, but it's 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 frustrating and and I think it it speaks to, I don't know, the the way in general a lot of things get handled in our justice system is is unfortunate. Uh so it's 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 this whole case just makes me very sad because you you have these women who even in death aren't being given peace and aren't being given respect uh, or closure to the families. And that's that's sad. That's really sad. Uh, and no but, one's held accountable. And no one's held accountable. and and i I think um this case reading about it, part of part of what's just bonkers is I can't think of the last time I was reading up on a case where there was just so little to go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. I would yeah. say it's it's sad and frustrating Sad and frustrating. Yeah. For sure. But uh, again, this is also one where I'm looking at the suspect list being like, I don't know that it was any, I, it could be any of these guys. I don't know that it was any of these guys because it could just as easily be someone we've never even heard of or whose yeah. name has never even come up.
1: I'm more disappointed that there's no way to test the DNA with all oh, the yeah. cases now, yeah. like coming out of like getting solved that are oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm decades old yeah like i feel like this would be a really good example of a case that that would be really useful for they have
0: we had enough stuff one and again they had the killer semen past tense they had they don't know where it is right that's why i'm saying that's also
1: so frustrating like at one point you had it where did it go like got lost what like (laughs) (laughs) ah, so frustrating But, hey, thanks for bringing attention to another uh, crime that happened, (laughs) multiple crimes, multiple murders that happened that I didn't know about. Uh, And that are it's like here's our new MO of, uh, hey, you didn't know about this. Let me make you mad and sad (laughs) and frustrated.
0: Um, (laughs) So let me upset you. That's that's my you know what? That's my brand (laughs) upsetting. And this brings us to
1: creepy critics corner. Creepy critics corner. Kim, straight <laughs> so I was a laughter
0: that. Kim, yes. What are you watching? Ah, uh, I have been. You know, I've been trying really hard to kind of play catch up because I'm making my list of. Um, my top ten best and my top three most disappointing for a, a city of geek re- reporting reporting. high recording, which at this point is like our annual recording because I think the last time we recorded an episode was a year ago. That's so but, funny. yeah yeah, <laughs> But uh, I have watched a couple rather interesting things recently. Uh, I just watched something called Mad God. Ooh. If you have not heard of Mad God, it I'm is not. a like bonkers stop motion animated experimental horror film by uh phil Tippett, and it apparently it took him like 30 years to do he was he was working on it over 30 years dang there's basically no dialogue in the whole thing it's all visuals and it's just nuts um sounds cool it, it, it is really cool. It's the, the stop motion animation is, is really impressive. The visuals are really impressive. Uh, th- that's really what just like watching it. I, part of me wishes I smoked pot, because I feel like watching it while high is probably fantastic. But I, <laughs> alas, am not a pot smoker. But um, if you want something just really kind of off the wall but fascinating, mm-hmm. it is a really impressive piece of media to watch. Cool. uh on the more like I don't know legit front, I watched a movie called Nanny okay which is um, a uh, movie about a woman named Aisha and she's working for as a nanny for this white couple and she's trying to um, uh, bring her her son to New York City to live with her. Uh, from Senegal, and it's uh, it's so stinking good. Like the 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 visual storytelling, the lighting is spectacular, the sound design, and the acting, and it's it's just really beautiful, really sad at times, um, uh, just it's streaming on amazon it only recently came out and became available excuse me available on amazon but it's it's absolutely worth a watch it's a a little bit of a slow burn but and the you know you start watching and you're like this is a horror mystery thriller really hmm. and then once it hits you're like oh there it there is there it is there it is but uh, no, I, I very much enjoyed that. I was, it was just really, really well done. Love so, when it
1: like uh, sneaks
0: up and surprises you like that, right? Nice. Uh, what have you been watching?
1: Not a lot, to be honest. I've been like super swamped with like life things lately. But um, I did start watching a show on a whim. Because I have this goal of, like, let me find shows that I can watch without Terrence so he doesn't get mad at me if I watch something that we're both supposed to watch together. <laughs> and so um, I have been watching Andor with him on um, Disney+. Plus. It's the new Star Wars show. Sure. Um, truthfully, this is one I am having a really tough time paying attention to and following mm. because of how slow it is. Mm. It takes forever with the storytelling and you have to know like nerd details to get it Eh, in my opinion um Mm -hmm. Terrence loves it I'm uh, I I feel like I might need to like give it another shot where I'm actually fully paying attention but I honestly get bored while watching it so I like start doing other things um so it it's not bad it's got an incredible cast of people um but at the same time and it's Star Wars like Star Wars to me is never like bad per se it sure. just is uh, it's a different style than what you're used to with mm-hmm. the way the storytelling happens and okay. it's, it's just so much slower uh, it does offer more like character development and like mm-hmm. background build which is cool but like it just is real slow um, not the biggest fan right now but okay. what okay. I have been watching that, that I've been watching with Terrence because I he, he'll wait to watch it with me even though I don't love it um I found a show on Hulu. It's called mm-hmm. Kindred.
0: Have you heard of it? I have been wanting to start it actually. Just recently came out, but I haven't had time to. With the movies I'm trying to catch up on, I haven't had time to give it a start, but it is like top of my list to start when I'm done going through movies. So I've only seen the pilot.
1: I've only mm-hmm. seen one episode so far. It is wild. Yeah. I don't the know. The concept's
0: awesome. The
1: concept's super cool. So mm-hmm. basically, for those of you who don't know or haven't heard about Kindred, obviously, Kim, you've looked into it a little bit. Um, it, it's a premise of a, a young black girl that moves from New York to Los Angeles, buys a house in allegedly Silver Lake, which there's, like, one point where someone's like, someone lied to you. This isn't Silver Lake. And I, like, (laughs) had a little giggle. Um, But uh, she doesn't really have much, and she wants to be this, like, TV writer. But it starts out really bizarre. Like, the first scene you see her on the floor with a bloody back Uh and, like, screaming for someone – and it's just confusing. Like they throw you into chaos pretty immediately in the first episode. And you don't understand why she why she yeah. is at where she's at, what's happened, who she's screaming for, how did she get this injury? And it's a weird injury. Like it looks like someone whipped her in the back until she bled. Like Which, knowing that's the
0: premise of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it and also the premise is essentially that there is some time jumping that happens. Right. Um within the storyline, which you kind of figure out by the end of the episode, of the first episode, Um, but it takes place in the, there's like different time periods where she's like thinking she's dreaming, but then realizes, no, this is actually happening. And it takes place, I believe it's like the early 1800s. So, love a period piece, I found another one. Um, But there is an actor in this from True Blood and I forgot his name, but he plays... Uh, Sookie's brother in True Blood. Oh yeah, I, I can't remember guy. the actor's name, but name. I know
0: I know who you're speaking about. Yeah, he's
1: in this, and I haven't literally seen him since True Blood. So I actually got kind of excited that for the split second I saw him in, in the first episode to see where it goes. And this is one of those. It kind of it, it makes me feel similarly to 1899 in that like what is happening and how did this get here? And I'm I'm intrigued, okay. but. It is intense. It is very intense. And, like, we're talking about a a time of slavery and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people of color that were impacted during that time and still now. And it's just a really weird headspace to be in uh, as far as violence goes, too. So um, it's funny. Terrence tried to watch part of it with me, and he's like, I'm going to let you watch that without me. This seems triggering. (laughs) I was like... Okay. Fair. I fair. think it looks interesting, but right. to each their own. Um, sure. I think mm-hmm. it looks really good. I'm excited to get into it. And I have like two weeks off work coming up. So I'm excited to binge a bunch of stuff and get back to you on the next creepy critics corner. All right. <laughs> uh, and see how it's going. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. All and very cool. Having said that, thank you guys for listening. Um, really excited to, you know, we're going into the new year so soon. Um, actually, I think when this releases, this one's releasing in the new year. I believe. I think
0: this, yeah, we're recording a little bit early because of the holidays, and I'm going out of town to to see the family in Oregon. This releases uh, on the third. Yes, so we're, we're we're a little ahead of the game. Go us. This is... Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> happy Christmas. We haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, well, happy, happy holidays in general. Happy uh, 2023,
1: I oh suppose. Oh, my God. It's 2023. It's wild. it's wild. We are doing a really... Uh, Kim and I are actually working on a bit of a revamp to some podcast stuff in the new year, which is super mm-hmm. exciting. So yeah. stay tuned for some updates in the next coming months. Um, and some new content so really excited to work on that if you are not familiar already we have a Patreon Uh check it out Um, we also have you can find us anywhere that you find any of your uh, podcasts and also can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a rating and review so thank you so much for listening and if you like what we do please let us know share with your friends we'd love to hear it having said that thank you for listening and stay